0: hello everyone welcome to the second two-pack of strictly hoop talk division previews if you're just catching up last week i dropped the atlantic and pacific division preview podcast i um, just covering the teams that are going into the bubble and this two-pack will be right now the one you're hearing which is the southeast division preview with philip rossman rake of lockdown magic and then for the central division podcast i have my guy james edwards the third of the athletic returning back to the podcast very excited for that so both of these podcasts will be released simultaneously um i'm not sure which order they will they will appear on the feed it all depends on how fast the the platform processes it but that's what's coming and then of course before before the end of this week you will have the final two divisions which are the Northeast or northwest sorry and the southwest division previews so all of those will be coming to you and i'm very excited for the southwest division preview because that will have all five bubble teams uh, or all five teams are going to the bubble so that will be an interesting one and for those of you that are waiting for some strictly hip-hop content don't worry some is on the way i got a very big uh very big podcast coming Uh, it's going to be a conglomeration it's going to be a panel of a lot of great hip-hop minds coming together i've been spending weeks organizing this structuring this and and figuring it out and the concept is really dope so i don't want to give too much away right now but just know that i got some awesome awesome hip-hop content coming very very soon and one last thing before i get this introduction ended um Just please follow me on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. Those are the best ones to keep up with my content, what's coming, and all of that. So, at RealChrisPlattie, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I I know you know how to spell real. And without further ado, man, let's get to these division previews. This is the Southeast Division Preview with my guy, Philip Rossman-Rake of Lockdown Magic. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. Basketball is back, and so you know I had to bring back my guy for this division preview, the Southeast Division preview, uh, the king of Southeast Division previews on this podcast. My man, Philip Rossman Ray, site expert and editor at the Orlando Magic Daily and host of the Locked On Magic. Philip, how are you doing?
1: I am doing all right, getting by as always.
0: Yeah, man, isn't that the truth in these times? Isn't that the truth? Getting by is the is the perfect answer for for these times. But um, basketball is coming back, and man, I said this on the last couple podcasts. I've just been, I've just been so, as I've been prepping for these podcasts and just kind of like, I feel like I've fully processed the fact that basketball is coming back now, and it's just gotten me um, in a, in a in a good in a good state. Like, I'm really excited and looking forward to basketball coming back.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's been welcome to have practices and and to, you know, see the guys and, you know, some of the videos we're getting from inside the, inside the campus at Disney is certainly a lot of fun. So it's, it's, it's good to have NBA, the NBA back, uh, in all, in all of its glory.
0: Yeah. All of its glory, all of its glory. So for this, uh, for this division, um, there's two teams that are not joining the bubble: the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. So we will not be speaking about them. We will be speaking about the Washington Wizards, the Orlando Magic, and the Miami Heat um, during during this podcast. Uh, I I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do talking about the eight non-bubble teams, but for these division previews, as you saw in the le- in the previous two that I uploaded, um, the fact that I have. Uh, I have grown to or I have decided to skip the, the non-bubble teams and just focus on uh, on the teams that are in the bubble and what's going on with them and kind of a recap. So starting with the Washington Wizards, they are 24 and 40 on the season. Um, they are six and a half games back or sorry five and a half games back of Orlando Magic for the eighth seed. Now they have quite the hill to climb. They were obviously among them, and Phoenix were among the last teams to make the cut for the playoffs or for the uh, for the restart that is. And with Berton's not going, Bradley Beal not going, John Wall obviously due to injury, not going. Um, I tried to come up with an interesting thought for this team, but really, I. I'm struggling. You know what? What is there to watch? I mean, if you're if you're a Thomas Bryant guy, you can watch some Thomas Bryant. I guess. I mean, I don't. I don't particularly. I don't particularly know. Washington has some some interesting young players like like Bonga are are kind of interesting. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I don't expect this team to even come close to competing, even with Brooklyn missing half of their roster. I still expect Washington to. Um, to not be able to make the climb without Bradley Beal, without John Wall, without, uh, without Bertans, who's arguably their second best player all season. Uh, I feel, I mean, how are you assessing Washington or looking at Washington coming back to this restart?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be really tough. I mean, I think the one, I mean, Washington had to make up a game and a half on Orlando uh, to force a play in series. And you know, that, that was not, impossible but you know the Wizards were slated to have a very difficult schedule uh when you know if the season had finished normally uh and you know their schedule is is manageable compared to other teams I, I think they definitely caught a break but you know the only saving grace that Washington really had was Bradley Beal and and if you know especially as teams are trying to figure themselves out you know Bradley Beal as just a supreme scorer a guy who could kind of shoot his way shoot his team into games mm-hmm. um that was really the only thing that concerned me about Washington as, as someone who follows the magic was, you know, Bradley Beal gets hot and everyone's still figuring themselves out. Then all of a sudden, you know, Washington could be sitting with three wins and, you know, no win in this, in this campus setting for a team, you know, that's under 500, like the magic or the wizards or the nets, or, you know, any of those teams in the Western conference at the bottom of the standings, no one should be counting any game as a, you know, check Mark easy win. I mean, not just for the fact that, that, You know, no one really knows how, what the play is going to look like when they, when they start playing again, um, it's, it's going to be really tough for Washington. And I think like Phoenix, you know, no offense to Phoenix, Mm -hmm. like Phoenix, I think they're viewing these eight seeding games as an opportunity to let their young players play and get more experience and kind of get a leg up on maybe some of the other young teams that are sitting out. Um, you know, that's why I think a lot of those other teams want some kind of mini camp or something in August just to kind of keep guys fresh. Um. And, and not have this disadvantage, but you know the Wizards are going to give the ball a lot to you know Isaiah Thomas. If, yeah. If, you know they're going to give the ball a lot to Rui Hachimura, uh, Thomas Bryant. Uh, you know that they, they, they're missing. You know Davis Bertans, one of the best three-point shooters in the league this year. Bradley Beal, one of the best scorers in the league this year. They're missing the two things that probably make them the most dangerous. And and I think it's you know it's going to be really tough for Washington to to make up the ground they need to make up.
0: Yeah. It, i agree i agree which is which is why um that's actually kind of what we were talking about with phoenix uh i brought this up with uh with, with tim who who does the uh who did the pacific division preview with me and when tim and i were talking about phoenix uh you know it was kind of on the same lines right this is an opportunity for the young guys to get their chance to Um, To get some extra reps in and and like you said, get ahead of some of the other teams, younger teams that are not um, in this bubble. But the one thing I brought up, uh, Philip, and I'll be curious to see your thoughts is, uh, is just that this situation is so unprecedented the bubble the um just everything that's happening in even even just the, the world right now outside of the coronavirus obviously all the social issues with basketball coming back i think that i think that this is an environment where that could be very very good for these young players because how often do we see philip in our in our time we see these guys who um, they they come out with the with the article where they're you know they're 27 years old, but this is the summer that they decided to cut out junk food and eat healthy, and and then they start to prolong their careers, and now they're in a they're in a world they're in this just isolated strange world where they're doing nothing but but um but basketball. And they got all of these meals catered to them, which I know they normally do as as professional athletes. But I feel like the situation that they're in now could really be a huge uh, maturation experience for a lot of these young guys, uh, on top of just on top of just the basketball side of it.
1: I mean, I I, I think there there is something to that. Um, you know, uh, just just sitting in on some of the magic on the Orlando Magic's media availability since they got into the bubble and. They all see, you know, and the Magic are a relatively young team. I mean, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, they're all under 30. Um, You know, they only – I think they only have two players that are older than 30 years old at this point. Um, They've all kind of talked about this being a business trip. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the the one thing that being on the campus setting might do for young teams is it it cuts off all the – you know, for lack of a better term, distraction. Yeah, you're literally there. You practice for two hours whenever you're scheduled to practice. yeah, you, you know you you have your walkthroughs in, in the hotel ballroom, and then you're just kind of stuck with yourself. I mean, there's not much else for you to do. Um, you know there there's certainly some outing, you know some outings and, and entertainment options available within the uh, within the campus setting, but right. you're very limited in what you can do. And so I think the potential there is certainly there. That it's going to really narrow the focus on the task at hand and and really put the focus on, you know, I'm here to do a job. You know, I'm really going to focus on on building habits so I can do my job better because, you know, there is a sense that that the field is opened up a little bit because nobody knows what it's going to look like when players start playing again. Like nobody has any clue what that looks like. Uh, And so. I think there's there's definitely a little bit of that going on, um, you know, where, where potentially players can narrow their focus. But, you know, the counterpoint to that is typically around this time of year, typically during an off season, you have the ability to work on your game and work on your individual self. And, and that's where you see a lot of players make the growth that turns them into star players. And they're not going to have that, you know, obviously, um, you know, you know, maybe the, the players that get eliminated earlier can can get back to that work sooner, although it's not clear who will have access to team practice facilities like they normally would as well. Um, but the offseason is going to be significantly shorter. I mean, we're talking maybe a month and a half, two months between the end of the finals and, and the beginning of training camp. And so that time is really constricted for young players to, to to get better. And I think that's, you know, so it's a double-edged sword in that sense. You know, it might create better habits for in-season, but I don't, you know, like, I, I, I'm concerned a guy like Markel Fultz. Like, you know, this is a summer where you know Marco Fultz would be coming off his first full season in the NBA his first fully fully healthy season in the NBA. I was expecting him to get in the lab so to speak in the in the off season and really improve his skills. It's hard to believe that's going to happen and that we'll see a significant leap from a player like a Marco Fultz or even like a Jonathan Isaac um because they won't have the full off season to do so. And so that's that's it, it's certainly a double edged sword on that front.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I I didn't really look at it from the perspective of the shortened off season and how you're right, the off season is the is most of the time where you see the most growth uh for for players, especially especially young players. So with it being a shortened off season, you're right. I think that, that can allow um that can allow them to uh for it to be more difficult to to grow in that sense, but I was just talking more from a pure um habit standpoint and and being in a situation where you are so focused on on basketball cuz there's really not uh there's there are some other entertainment options like you mentioned and we saw videos of guys playing cornhole and all of that stuff but at the end of the day um it's more about it's more about to me just being in a situation where you're almost solely focused on basketball, and it's teaching you the habits, it's teaching you the nuances of like, of not only just eating healthy, but of spe- putting amount amount excess uh, putting x amount of time aside for film or getting into uh or just you know putting this much more time in the gym, you know whatever it is, the weight room, etc. Like whatever you got to do to to make yourself a better player so i think it's more about to me it was more along the lines of thinking from the from the habit standpoint and getting yourself into into uh, a more a more detailed and thorough regimen
1: yeah and i think you know for for young players on these teams especially if they have a chance to make the playoffs you know i i am a big believer that that playoff and winning experience are extremely valuable yeah um you know even though you know players will not be going through kind of the, the atmosphere of a playoff series, uh, going through the preparation and understanding what it takes to be, you know, focused on a playoff series uh, and, and, and the detail that, that it takes to, to win a playoff series. I mean, honestly, like, you know, the Magic hadn't been in the playoffs for seven years until last season. Um, I, I think that shocked a lot of the players on the Magic. They, 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 were, they didn't understand, you know, the detail it takes to win a playoff series. And certainly they faced a tall task going up against the Raptors. Uh, and, and I think, you know, for them, this whole season is about getting back there and, and kind of seeing how far they've come uh, in that understanding and that development. And, and, you know, you would hope that they'd be a tougher out uh, this time around. And, and, and I know, you know, they want to see Mo, Mo Bamba go through that. They want to see Marco Foltz go through that. So, you know, I think there's there's, there's still a lot of value in, in going through the process.
0: I agree with that. And you offered a perfect segue did, doing my job for me, allowing me to transition to the Orlando Magic here. So let's talk Orlando Magic 30 and 35 on the season um, the players players not going are Jonathan are Jonathan Isaac due to injury and like you, and like you told me before the podcast there is there is an unnamed player that has tested positive for the coronavirus who will be joining the team shortly and Markel Fultz, for personal reasons is expected to also join the team shortly um, so my my thought with orlando is just i was looking at a lot of their a lot of their numbers because i was i was just like all right let me catch up on orlando basketball and i watched i even watched some of their some of their games and the last 15 games they've been fifth in offensive rating 23rd in defensive rating uh second in assist turnovers they've been excellent rebounding the ball as well they had right before the season ended. They had their wins over Memphis and Houston, but in there you, uh, but in that last fifteen, you also included some some loss to the Knicks, a, a very close, a, a barely uh, a, a barely escaping win against against the Pistons, who, as we know, are not necessarily a good team this season. So where are you at with Orlando coming back into the into the bubble?
1: Yeah. So you know, Orlando was. Probably playing their best basketball of the season um, mm-hmm. at when the season was was heading into a hiatus. They're actually hitting the soft part of the schedule. I mean, I think when we when the schedule came out, we all looked at it and said March is where this team's going to make its run. Um, you know, they yeah. they I think they had eight of their next ten at home and ten of their next twelve against uh, non-playoff teams or teams that were under 500. Um, you know, th- this is a, this is a team that has proven throughout the year that it can beat the teams it's supposed to beat. You know, yes, there's some bad losses mixed in there as, as mm-hmm. it is with all teams, but yeah. they only have five wins against teams with, rec- with, with rec- with records better than 500. Um, and so this was a really kind of, you know, if you know, you're looking at the numbers, it, this has been a tough team to get a, get a handle on. Um, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. um They've had to adjust on the fly a lot, and this is not a team really built to do that. They, you know, they have depth, but you know, if they lose, one of their key pillars, you know, the thing starts to wobble a little bit. Um, uh, but they were they were finally feeling healthy. They were finally looking good. They are finally picking up momentum when the season stopped. Um, the big concern is their defense just hasn't been as good as it was last year. I believe they're 11th in the league in defensive rating this year, uh, or 10th in the league now, actually, uh, yes. in defensive rating this year. Um, so, you know, they still have a very good defense, but it, it was not as good as it was last year when they made their playoff run. And, uh, you know, you mentioned how good the offense was, af- you know, after, after and around the All-Star break. The defense really fell off during that time, too. They kind of yeah. got sucked into, we can score with ease, we can outscore teams. Um, but there were some signs that they were playing better. They played three really good quarters in Minnesota in a blowout win. They played three really mm-hmm. good defensive quarters in in Houston in a blowout win. They had to come back from 16 down at Memphis to win that game. You can't do that without a really strong defensive effort. Um, so, you know, there were signs that they were picking up, but, you know, it feels like you got to push all that to the side. You got to push everything that happened before. You know, the season went into hiatus. You know, we can use that as a reference, but it, but with this Magic team, you know, I don't think they can count on the offense being the same as it was. Um, you know, there, there's certainly going to be some tweaks that that could mimic it a little bit. Um, but this team has to get down and defend if it wants to accomplish anything this year. And that part has been spotty all season.
0: Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. That was my interesting thought was the just the specifically the defense, because, you know, the offense did surprise me when I looked at the numbers. I was like, you know, I, I it reminded me because because I, I had watched a couple of Orlando games right before right before the season went into hiatus. And I was like, I was like, wow, like they look a lot better offensively. And then I went to check them the the numbers to see, you know, if if that was just the eye test or where where that was. And they were playing well offensively. But yeah, it was like you said, the defensive slip was was interesting to me because that is not only their calling card, but I think that's um, that's just what is necessary for them to be a, a, a playoff team and a good playoff team because last year, you know, last year was a very successful season for Orlando. You know, I, I mean everybody, everybody remembers that 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 win against Toronto in the first round, and that's that's huge. That's huge to get a win in the first round of the playoffs. You know, obviously you want to build on that and maybe be more competitive this year in the first round, or maybe even have the chance to make it out of the first round this year. But um, but the fact that they didn't just do what the Pistons did last year, yeah, last year, and just essentially be four games of roadkill against Milwaukee, you know the fact that they were able to um, to hang with to hang with Toronto and even in the even in some of the the next the next few games they were able to be competitive, so they they had a very successful season and I'm very interested to see how they build upon that and to me it was always just defense was their was their calling card defense was what put them in positions to win a lot of games and i think that i think that them finding more offensive rhythm is a good thing but they can't let it compromise their defense because their defense was last year they were just they were just absolutely stellar defensively and like you said they've been kind of up and down roller coaster defensively this year so that's been kind of my my main focus for for orlando
1: Yeah, and 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 that's that's you know been the big concern and, and you know, I think the magic are you know The magic, you know, Steve Clifford's very good at installing defenses, um, you know in training camp And so he's gonna have the time I think to get their defense, right? I, I think honestly I think everyone around the league kind of understands that offense is gonna be uh, unreliable uh, it, it, yeah. early on especially as, as players get their rhythm and their timing and their conditioning back uh, and defense, you know, coaches will always tell you defense is the only thing you can control. You can always control your effort. You can always control your position. You can always control making it harder for the other team to score. I mean, yes, some, some guys are going to make tough shots, but if you force enough tough shots, they're not going make to make enough of them to beat you. So, um, you know, I think a lot, a, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the elite coaches especially, are going to put the focus on the defensive end early on. And, and, and so the teams that are able to defend well, those are the teams that I think are going to find success uh, when the bubble when the when this season resumes now, obviously these are the best teams in the league So they're all going to be very very good defensively um, But it's it, this is it's definitely gonna be It's definitely gonna be a, a process for for this for this team for this magic team and for everyone I think to to get their defense down pat and you know the one thing that that that's you know This magic defense isn't flashy. I mean Jonathan Isaac yeah. was a, was an all defensive team candidate before he got hurt um, he is actually with the team in the campus setting, but it's not expected to play. He's he's practicing and doing kind of the light stuff with the with the team at the moment. It looks like, but um, you know they've always left the door slightly ajar. But unlikely that he'll play. Um, he's really the only defensive playmaker on the team. You know Aaron Gordon's a solid defender, but everything else is about positioning, timing, and, and just an understanding of of the team defensive scheme. And so I think for the magic, a reminder of all those things. Uh, it, it could help them kind of get themselves back back in shape to to defend at a higher level.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point about Jonathan Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I like that I like that you put the defense in that context because that that was also my takeaway is that um, Jonathan Isaac's really the only one that's that's making the, the the steal the um or or the block that leads to a to a fast break like that. Those are the type of plays that. Uh, Jonathan Isaac makes versus uh, the rest of the team is just like you said sound defense just in position boom you waste 18 20 seconds of the shot clock and the team has to uh, shoot a contested uh, a contested jump shot you know that's kind of what Orlando's defense has been all season and so I'm very interested in Orlando uh, very very interested to see what what they do as far as like looking at the looking at the standings i mean unfortunately it's it's uh it's impossible for them i would i would love to see what or if orlando were were able to which they which they probably won't be able to due to the the massive difference in standings uh eclipse eclipse philly or indiana and become uh become and face somebody that's not milwaukee or toronto in the first round i would because I would love to see what their team can do against, against any of the other, uh, any of the other remaining teams in the, in the Eastern conference playoffs. But, um, if Orlando, if Orlando stays out of Milwaukee's way and, and even plays Toronto again, I'd be, I'd be curious to even see that, uh, that kind of matchup a, a Toronto Raptors without Kawhi and, and Danny Green.
1: Yeah. I, I, and, 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 it it definitely would be interesting. I would say the Magic's goal is to get to seventh. Um, they're obviously a half game behind Brooklyn. They get two games with the Nets, so it feels like the Magic control their own destiny uh, for yeah. for their own success in, in in the campus setting. Um, you know it, you know honestly, like three four wins probably gets you the seventh seed at, at this point. You know, I, I hate I hate to play that game because we just don't yeah. know what what things are going to look like. But, um, the Magic certainly should feel like they're in a position to accomplish something to gain something and play their way into the playoffs which is something that that Clifford talks about a lot um, but it but it's going to take a lot of work and, and they got to do something that they haven't done all year and that's beat quality teams like I said um, the Magic only have five wins this year against teams with records better than 500 um, that is actually the fewest wins of any team in the campus setting so this is a team that has struggled in these big games you know they're. 0 3 this year against Toronto. Uh, they played two of the, They played one of those games without Nikola Vucevic. The other game he got hurt in. Um, the other the, and then the other game, Jonathan Isaac had a crazy game. He had, he had a career high that night. Um, they lost all all four of their matchups or all, all three of their matchups with Milwaukee. They've lost their two matchups with Boston to this point. You know they've they've struggled with the elite teams at the top of the Eastern Conference and but the, and those are the teams they're going to have to beat.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. That's a number that. Um... That makes a lot of sense. When I was looking at their previous fifteen, I was looking at you know, okay, they're they're winning the the Minnesota games, the, the yeah. Detroit games, the um the games that they're they're supposed to win, and they got some good wins in there like you uh like Memphis and Houston, um those those are good wins, but yeah, it was like okay, well they lost to Milwaukee, okay, I understand Milwaukee's Milwaukee, uh oh they lost to you know, and it just was like looking at the list, um Miami, and it's like okay all of these teams that um, I understand that those are the teams that are, I guess, theoretically supposed to win those games, but, uh, but still the fact that consistently they're, they're not coming out of those games uh, victorious.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's something the magic have talked about all year long. I mean, they had a a November game against the Indiana Pacers and you know, players openly talked about, you know, the Pacers are the kind of team that we want to be. Um, and they're in the spot we want to be in. And those are the games we have to win. Because if we're going to rank order ourselves in Eastern Conference, if we're going to take a step up into the, like the five, six seed range, uh, we're going to have to beat those Pacers. We're going to have to beat teams like the Pacers. And Indiana came into Orlando as a close game in the fourth quarter, and they could not miss in the fourth quarter. They were just hitting mid-range jumpers. Uh, they went to Indiana, I think maybe a week and a half later, got beat, got beaten Indiana again by in, by a, by a good fourth quarter from the Pacers. Um, those are just the game, Those are, I mean, that's just a, ex, Those are, that's just like the the biggest example I can think of of kind of the hill the Magic have struggled to to climb over this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. Let's jump to uh, let's jump to Miami. Um, because I'm glad that. I'm glad that we were actually able to without the Hawks and Hornets. I'm glad that we were actually able to deep dive a little bit more into into Orlando and and the same here with Miami just because these are these are teams that are very interesting to me. So the Miami Heat now 41 and 24 uh just darlings of the NBA right now. I mean they they were right before the season went down everybody was talking about. Well, could they beat uh, would Philly lose to them in the first round if it was a four-five matchup? Uh, right now they have Indiana, but Indiana without Odiepo, you expect to. Um, even though Odiepo was struggling and they played all season without him, um, you still expect Indiana to take some sort of uh, step back uh, potentially. And I would, I would assume my my money would be on a Philly Miami four-five matchup. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Indiana holds on to the holds on to the five seed there. But Miami's now this team that's been kind of thrown into this, okay, are they, are they somewhat contenders? What's their finals probability? That's been the, the, the jump that they've made, and then they made the trades, obviously, to get, uh, to get Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala and, and kind of do some stuff that short-term make them better but also doesn't hinder them long-term. And so that's where I want to go with Miami, specifically is the trade for Igudala is come playoff time, which is what they got him for, what do we think Andre Igudala will, will actually give them now? But now that he's had all of this time off, he's had basically two off-seasons, uh, or, or three off-seasons really if you count the fact that he didn't play the, the majority of the year before before he went to Miami he's only played 14 games at this point I mean what what is there to expect about Iguodala
1: I mean I think the big thing is just his veteran poise and leadership you know I'm you know I not that Miami needs a ton of that because you know they have Jimmy Butler who's been around the block a little bit um you know Goran Dragic is certainly a a solid veteran point guard you know coming off you know coming off the bench for them um, but, you know, having a guy who's got championship experience, like, I, I, I am a big believer that you, you need veterans who've been there uh, if, if you're serious about contending, that, that yep. those guys can just impart wisdom and, and more than anything, kind of impart calm. And, and yeah, Eric spolster as the coach can do that because he's, he's won championships before and is a fantastic coach. But, you know, Iguodala is someone that I think can, can exude calm. And, and especially, you know, no one's gone through what everyone's going through right now in the league. Uh, so... Having someone who, you know, knows what he's doing, can get down and do the work, uh, and just pr- project calm and poise, uh, I think that's going to be really, really valuable, especially if a team is, is looking to kind of punch up its weight a little bit uh, with the with this situation that everyone's in in this in this campus setting, uh, where you know no one, you know, it really does feel like more the doors open for more contenders to join the fray just because nobody knows what status anyone is at. I mean. Iguadala wasn't playing fantastic for Miami. I, I would say, you know, I, I think that they definitely threw him in there and, and he definitely needed some time to get to get his legs under him. And you know, certainly he has to get, you know, learn Miamis system a little bit better and kind of integrate himself into what they're trying to do. Uh, but you know, he is someone that could still prove very, very valuable, especially, especially um, with the hiatus, honestly. Um, you know if if, he, if he's physically, cap- if he's physically ready, if he's physically capable, you know he's someone that's going to be like okay this is how we kind of paced ourselves through the playoffs this is you know how we dealt with you know this adversity in in golden state that kind of calm i think really does you know matter to teams especially young teams that are trying to Mm -hmm. find their way and compete in the playoffs which you know miami while they do have some very nice veterans they rely on a lot of young guys too
0: yeah yeah absolutely uh you know most of their most of their greatest contributors outside of Jimmy Butler are young guys are the Kendrick nuns, the Tyler heroes, the, the Duncan Robinsons. And so I love to see, I love to see a on that team for, for that specific reason for everything you highlighted is, is is very important. And to me, I wanted to look at, so I'm a big believer in that, in, in in the veteran presence. And like you said, the ability to, to, to just calm a, a, a team, but I wanted to look at, once I got past that, I wanted to look at, okay, what, statistically, like, where's he at? And, yeah, you're right, he's he's kind of, he, he's less than what he was in his in his games at Golden State last year, but not by much. I mean, the, the three-point percentage is slightly up, but he's shooting slightly less, so you got to figure it's around the same, which is, uh, right now it's 37.5%, but last year was 33%. You gotta imagine it's it's within that that range for him. Uh, free throw shooting's the only real atrocious thing. He's only shooting twenty five percent. But uh, again, it's a small sample size of of fourteen games played and and not a lot of not a lot of minutes. But everywhere else, I mean, he's pretty much the same. I mean, points he's down a little bit. He's down one assist. Like uh, the rebounding the the pretty much exact same. So. He seems to be from just the, the sheer the sheer numbers. Um, he seems to be as he's rounding into shape. You expect him to be uh, pretty much what he was last year, and that was kind of my my main wonder was all season we were talking about Andre Iguodala. It was, it was almost a sweepstakes for the for this guy, and so I was curious as as everyone was getting caught in in, in the hype of Andre Iguodala. And and where was he going to go? I was wondering how much is he actually going to give this year? You know, because last year I I did notice a decline, and I was wondering if this year I would notice a decline as well. But so far, it seems like assuming he stayed in shape and took care of his body and all that, it seems like he's gonna when he rounds into shape, he's gonna be roughly the same player he was last year with minimal yeah. decline.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think arguably the bigger player that Miami got in that trade was Jay Crowder. Um, you yeah. know, Jay Crowder played, you know, thir- only 13 games at the Heat, but he played fantastic for Miami. He he fits yes. their ethos. He's you know hard-nosed defensive player. He can he can hit the three when he's open. You put you put him in the corner and he will he will knock down that that three. Um, that you know honestly, like Iguodala has declined a lot. Um, you know, th- athleticism is, is not quite what it used to be. I mean, he's 36 years old. I um, you know, I yeah. I always kind of felt like. Teams like the idea of Iguodala more than the actual player he was or had become, you know, because, yeah. you know, not only is he 36, you know, they went to the finals, what, four years in a row? Like, mm-hmm. that is a lot of extra mileage on him, too. Um, you yeah. Know, the, like, let's not let's not forget that, you know, those playoff games add up and those. those Yeah, are, that's those are another tough. season. Yeah. And so, you know, getting Crowder was probably, you know, if they don't get Crowder in that deal, the Heat are probably in a lot more trouble than than they would otherwise be because they because they they won the Iguodala sweepstakes. Getting Crowder, honestly, I think made that trade successful, and it's probably yeah. more the Jay Crowder trade than the Iguodala trade. Although Iguodala certainly got all the headlines because you know he's played for the championship team, and and he's he, he, you know it seemed like a lot of teams were trying to get him. You know he held out for Memphis, um, but Crowder Crowder was, was is a real player for them, and 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 really makes that team better. He's you know good cog good cog in the machine for for this Miami team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up Jay Crowder because I I mentioned him in passing in the trade and, and I did wanna, I I did, uh, I I see that Crowder is playing obviously a lot better and he's playing, he's been essential for Miami so far in in his short time. But I wanted to specifically dive on the Iguodala just because that was where the attention was, and so I wanted to say, oh, okay, like use this as an opportunity to, to really dive in on that aspect of it. Like what exactly are we getting with Igudala at this point? So I'm, I'm glad that you brought up, that you brought up Jake Crowder. What's your interesting thought of Miami going into the, this season?
1: I mean, I, you know, just looking at their numbers, I mean, we always think of Miami as the strong defensive team. And what's, you know, what's interesting about Miami is this year, they're they're not that I mean, they're still a good defensive team, but they're they're 14th in the league in defensive rating at 109.2 points allowed per 100 possessions. You know, Jimmy Butler is still a really good defender. I think he gets down uh, and defends. Bam Adebayo is is really athletic and 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 such a uh, unique player at the center position for Miami that they're trying to grow. Um, they've got a lot of interesting defenders in in like Derrick Jones Jr., who's an athletic defender, but this team still feels very unrefined, and I think there's a reason why. You know, even though Miami's ahead of Philadelphia in the standings, people are talking about Philadelphia as kind of the secret team that could that could become a contender because of this hiatus, because players get healthy, because you know maybe some of the tension you know gets eased from being apart for so long. Um, Miami Miami this year has really been more of an offensive team than a defensive team. Um, they yeah. are a really strong three-point shooting team. They take they take a fair amount of threes. They can hit threes. You know, they got they got guys who can get in the paint, like Oran Dragic and, and Jimmy Butler, that require your attention. Bam Adebayo works really well in the high post as a, as a passer. Um, but you know, between Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, the Heat have found a lot of really solid three point shooters. And you know, Jay Crowder, we obviously talked about him too. They have a lot of really solid three point shooters, uh, and and they you know they have these kind of defensive spurts where they where they you know are able to create turnovers to get out on the break. And that's where they hit you with the threes. That's where they, I think, they really create their distance. Um, is from is from doing all that. The um, question is, and I think this is a question for every team. So this is not just a Miami issue. Is are you going to be able to rely on shooting and three-point shooting when the season resumes? Because again, nobody knows what kind of rhythm or chemistry anyone's in. Offense, I think, is going to be a little bit tougher, especially in the early parts of the of the seeding round. Um, hmm. You know, I think, I think, I mean. You go back and look at the lockouts in 2012 and 1999. Three point shooting was way down um, compared to the year before, and and honestly, the year after. It Honestly, took maybe a year or two for three point shooting to recover. So I think you know, I, it would not surprise me if we see a huge offensive downturn. And you know, like like, like we kind of discussed with the Magic, that's going to put a lot of the focus on defense. And, and Miami's defense all year hasn't been great. Uh, you know, I could I, I'd like to check what their post All Star numbers were, um, but. You know, Miami's certainly a team that has kind of been a middling defensive team all year and and that's, you know, something that we don't really think about all the time when it comes to the Miami Heat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're always instilled as this hard nosed defensive culture um type of team. But I'm I'm really uh I'm really interested in that that stat that you brought up about the lockout season. So you said that you said that the three-point shooting was down and how much was it down or do you have this stat uh, I, have on to, you or no? I don't
1: have the stat on me I I, mm. I I remember looking it up and you know it the 1999 lockout feels like it's its own world because it was yeah. so long ago players I don't think took the lockout seriously as far as staying ready to play uh the NBA I don't think took it seriously about how quickly players could be ready to play and that season was just a disaster. Like every single stat you you could have about that season, you should just kind of throw out, because it was just so such an anomaly. Um, shooting percentages throughout the league went down. Scoring throughout the league went down. It was just really really bad basketball. Uh, the 2012 lockout was the lockout season was better. It wasn't a complete you know kind of complete downturn, but three yeah. po- I remember looking at looking up three point shooting was down from the previous season. Um, and, and it stayed, it was better, but stayed lower the next year. And then slowly ramped back up to the levels that we're at now where teams are just, you know, jacking up threes, like it, like it's no tomorrow, um, offenses were also offensive rating, like the median offensive rating was down in both years and it took a year or two for both to recover. So, um, or to, to, to normalize and, and to get back to kind of, kind of a, a, an average level. So hmm. I, I, I am, I, you know, the only thing that I think we can compare what we're going to experience here when the, when games start at Disney is a lockout season where everyone's kind of been yeah. away from the team and away from playing basketball for so long. And, and even then, at least, you know, remember the summer of 2011, everyone, you know, you could go, you could go watch, you know, games on YouTube where they're, they're dropping it at Rucker park. You know, they're doing the drew league. Guys were still playing guys. were not playing in this lockup. They've gone, essentially all yeah. these players have gone four months without playing live basketball. You know, unless they, unless they snuck it in somewhere. Right. Um, and so I, I personally, I am pessimistic that the offenses are going to be good. I, I am expecting lower scores. Um, you know, I think players are more prepared. I think, you know, not to say that players before weren't professional, but I think players take taking care of their bodies and focusing on their basketball skills uh, at a, at a higher level than they than they used than they did in the past. Um, you know, I think I think they do. I think players tend to treat it more like a job, a year-round job, more than uh, than than players may have in the past, um, and so I, I think in that sense, you know, we, there might be some saving grace. But I, I am I am really expecting some low scores, um, you know, some odd you know some odd basketball to be played. Um, it, you know, basketball is going to be unpredictable for a little while. Uh, I, I am not expecting teams to come out of the gate, you know, drop at one hundred twenty every night. Um, you know, I think. I think 100 is is going to be a target score for a lot of teams uh coming out coming out of here. But that that's that's just my my gut feeling on this. I you know, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody knows, but that's I like I like where you're going with that. I I think that that's very interesting. I think that I think that that's very valid um that point to watch. The other thing I wanted before we before we get out of here now that we've kind of transitioned to a broader than Miami spectrum is uh is essentially you know the the philosophical question. I talked about this on my Atlantic Division Preview podcast with my guy Leor, and when we were when we were speaking on Philadelphia, the idea that Philadelphia record wise uh, record wise is twenty nine and two at home, but then ten and twenty four on the road. You know, and that's a huge, massive difference, and what are these games are these home games are these road games are these neither like what's the oh what kind of what what can we do to kind of evaluate what kind of situation we're in because it's so unprecedented i mean where where do you fall in that in that line of thinking because that's just a question that there is no right or wrong answer it's just but it but there is there is some sort of answer to it if you understand what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 really hard to say um i i i did try and predict you know the games for the magic at least and you know like i said i am not expecting scores to be high and and i just i was doing the exercise more just to you know put put something out there for 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 traffic and to feed con feed the content machine but you know as i was doing it i was thinking like man i just i have no clue how any of these teams are going to play. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I, you know, the magic, obviously, you know, I, I follow the magic, so I'll, I'm going to use that as my perspective here. The magic obviously need to win these games. Um, you know, they need their, their most important game of the season against the Brooklyn Nets is their first game when they get into the campus setting and you know h- how they play under that pressure with all the layoff and, and everything else is just a complete mystery to me. And I, and I think every team is, is feeling the same way. Um, You know, We we were kind of using the 60 plus games that teams played, you know, through March as a reference. But honestly, I I don't know how valuable that's gonna be. I mean, sure, you know, you know, I think Steve Clifford's even said this. Sure, you can watch teams for their tendencies, you know, teams aren't gonna change things up too much, but those teams feel a lifetime away. I mean, we've had essentially an offseason between between basketball games here. Those teams are 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 so far in the past that we just we just don't know what it's going to look like. So you know I, I could sit here and say you know I you know I think the magic you know the the target or the goal or what I expect is for them to go three and five and if they go four and four I think they'll be in really good shape. But you know they they've handled these these teams that are under five hundred really really well. So they play Brooklyn you know Brooklyn Sacramento Brooklyn New Orleans as their as the the first two games and the last two games. They could go 4-0 in those games. They could go 0-4 in those games. And and I have no clue what will happen. Um, You know, they could go up against a team like Toronto and maybe Toronto is is pacing themselves through the the seeding games because they're not as important to them. So maybe they've hit Toronto and that game doesn't matter to Toronto and they they catch Toronto or, you know, they they catch Boston for the same reason. Although Boston, I think, certainly does have something to fight for. Um, You know, or, you know, Indiana just has a bad night and that's one of those eight games. Like, it's... It's really, really hard to get to 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 get a handle on what this is going to look like, what this is going to feel, and how the players are going to react. So, you know, to to your point, is this a home game? Is this a road game? I don't think that Philadelphia team exists anymore. So, you know, this is, yeah. it's almost like a brand new team and a brand new season when when we get started.
0: Yeah, man, and that's what makes this basketball so fun. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm very much looking forward to the NBA returning, just because it is so. Just this is such a situation where, um, where there's just there's just no precedent for it. So we're we're all coming in here blind. You and me, we're talking about. We spent you know forty five minutes now talking about what we think about where these teams have been and it could all be proven wrong within the first 24 hours of 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 the season restarting that's just how crazy we're in and that's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to man like it's gonna it's gonna be fun basketball it's gonna be it's gonna be unpredictable and when it comes down to it when we're uh, you know it's going to just be different and I think that that's uh that that there's there's a lot of beauty in that and it's going to be very entertaining to watch when it comes back.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we're certainly looking forward just to see basketball again, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I am, I am trying to temper my expectations on, on what the basketball, it'll be nice to have basketball, but uh, well, what it I'm, will look like. Yeah. Will it be, will it be NBA level basketball? Um, hopefully by the finals it will be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully by the finals it might start out as like college level ball and work its way up, baby step its way up to back to NBA basketball. But, all right phil thank you for coming on the podcast man i greatly appreciate you as always here on this podcast glad to check in with you glad to see that you are you are doing well as as Florida is one of the one of the hot zones for for the pandemic right now so um so my thoughts are are always with you and i'm and i'm just really glad to see that to see in here that you're doing well and i look forward to seeing what what you and the Orlando Magic are doing? I'm, I'm looking forward to your content. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Orlando Magic do. Since the Pistons are out of the bubble, I can throw all my support your way, <laughs> <laughs> and I have uh, I, I don't have any biases coming into this coming into this restart. Now that the Pistons are out of it, so thank you for coming on this podcast, Philip. I greatly appreciate you.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on, as always, man.
0: All right, have a good one, and we'll be back talking about Orlando and seeing just how wrong we were in in a couple weeks.